Welcome to the QB List Fantasy Football Podcast. Today, we're doing another positional preview, getting you ready for your drafts, and we're going to be talking about the wide receivers. Uh, last week, we touched on quarterbacks and running backs, so make sure to check those out, as well as today, obviously, wide receivers. On Wednesday, we'll be talking about tight ends, so really getting all of the positions um, except for kickers and defense. I don't know. Maybe we'll do a, a special mini pod for that. But today to talk about wide receivers, as always, we've got QB list man in charge, editor in chief, Eric Smith to defend his rankings. Eric, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, Will Lutz is going to miss some time at the kicker position. I'm kind of mourning that news right now. Um, I've, I've been leaning on Will Lutz for quite a few years, so I think I need a whole new strategy at the kicker position now. So but. You got to save it for the kicker podcast. Remember, <laughs> I, when I said we're going to do a special mini pod, what I meant was a two-hour extravaganza live streamed on just kickers. Uh, oh, we're going to rank all, all 32 of them, including punters. So actually, we're going to rank 64 of them for those of you in pun punter leagues. Uh, I don't know. Have you ever played in a league that did? I know there are leagues out there that do like punt yards and stuff like that. You ever played in any of those leagues? No, I just joined a crazy dynasty salary cap league that has head coaches as a position, but uh, no punters for me. Well, hey, at least it's a good thing that you can't draft Anthony Lynn and he can't disappoint you in your head coach league. Uh, but there are a lot of wide receivers that you might draft that might disappoint you. So hopefully we're going to help you draft the right wide receivers to win your leagues this year. Uh, a couple of things coming up. Uh, again, I uh, just want to mention Eric Smith and Kenny Heitenhove are going to be at the Fantasy Football Expo on Sunday, August 15th in Canton, Ohio. Uh, obviously, go check that out. Uh, hopefully, you are going to be going. And if you're going, go say hi to Eric and Kenny. Um, they're going have a booth they're gonna have uh you know swag all this kind of stuff so definitely go check it out as well as our projections and rankings uh you can find all of that stuff on our website qblist.com obviously we're going to be talking about a lot of the wide receivers today but we can't get to everyone and so if you want to see all of the write-ups uh for all of the i believe top 60 ranked wide receivers or top 80 ranked wide receivers you can find that on the website as well as our draft cheat sheet uh, to take with you into the drafts, be ready to, uh, you know, win your draft and, and have all of it in one nice little cheat sheet uh, all there as well. Are you going to be using that cheat sheet tonight, Eric, in the uh, Superflex mock draft we're going to be doing? Oh, for sure. Uh, it's not tailored specifically to Superflex, but uh, you just got to bump the quarterbacks up a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I definitely draft off my list. Makes it a lot easier, um, and especially at the receiver position, which we'll get to. There are just so many good names. It's it's really easy to get tied up, and just having them in the order you like them is huge. So um, I definitely recommend either use our cheat sheet. I update it once a week, or use your own. Uh, hopefully you use ours, but um, it really makes your decisions a lot easier on the clock. You can spend more time looking at positional runs, uh, what's left, scarcity, stuff like that, and you don't have to focus on you know kind of making uh, your own rankings on the spot. So it really helps you draft a balanced team. Yeah, I, I know personally when I, when I draft, I, I use the cheat sheet to help me update my queue so that I don't like have to panic on the spot. I always add enough players into the queue that'll get me to my pick, but I do that using the cheat sheet. So it's kind of like a two-step system there. Really works for me. I'm um, speaking of that super flex mock draft. We're going to be doing that. We're recording this on Monday. That's going to be happening tonight. So obviously when you're listening to this last night, but uh, for those people who are in our Discord community, uh, we will, as always, be you know live chatting throughout the mock draft that you can jump in, talk to our uh, staffers uh, as they're drafting, talk to them about draft strategy, ask them all the questions you have about your own teams, about your keepers, uh, about your dynasty leagues, about you know the drafts you have coming up, all that stuff. Um, to get that kind of access to our staff and, and our Discord community, you're going to join uh, Pitcher List Plus. That is our sister site, uh, baseball website, pitcherlist.com. But 
But obviously, when you get access to PL Plus, you also get access to all of the QB list stuff as well. So you'll be able to hang out in our community, uh, you know, talk to us, talk to Eric, talk to me, and really just get all of that information live and on the spot. Uh, and, and you'll be able to jump in the next time we do a mock draft and hang out and talk to people as they're drafting and really kind of get that strategy right from the source. Um, let's move into wide receivers. Actually, before we talk about wide receivers real quick, there is a bit of news that came out today. Uh, Saquon Barkley is officially off of the pup list and is practicing, which is much better news than earlier in training camp when they said that he might not be back by week one. There was kind of like a somewhere between week one, week three thing going on and him practicing. I would say it kind of sounds like he's trending towards being ready by the season over, if not playing some preseason. So great news, obviously for Barkley. Um, Eric, where do you have Barkley ranked for those who might have missed it during the uh, running back podcast? Well, um, as happens this time of the year, he's been fluctuating based on the last piece of news. So um, <laughs> I believe he was up at wide receiver six. Um, uh, running recent, back six. Or running back six, thank you. Um, with the recent news of him maybe not being back to week three, I dropped him down to running back 13. Um, now we probably need to bump him up a little bit. I think the big thing with the pup news is just it avoids the worst case scenario where he's going to miss six weeks. I don't think we necessarily know what his workload is going to be early on. Uh, there's just a lot of questions here for him, and I, I thought it was worth dropping him pretty significantly. But he may be worth um, a jump back up to maybe running back nine. Uh, it's just his upside is so huge, and his downside is pretty huge as well. So he's going to be one we're wrestling with all preseason. Um, and it kind of shows the dangers of overreacting to news this early. So we'll see. Uh, he's, he's somewhere in that running back 8 to 13 range right now for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's that kind of tier two of running back that you have, I think it goes from four to nine, was like really a lot of high upside running backs that have some level of risk. Obviously, Barkley has some level of risk. Uh, mm -hmm. And so anywhere you draft him in that range, I think as long as you're not drafting him over guys like Christian McCaffrey or uh, Dalvin Cook, you're, you're probably safe. Um, I, I, your draft, I'm willing to bet most drafts will start McCaffrey, Cook, and then like the next seven running backs off the board, you could – whatever order and i wouldn't be surprised um all right let's talk about wide receivers because we have a lot of wide receivers to get to uh before we talk about wide receiver strategy i want to just kind of hit on uh real quick like who are your favorite breakouts sleepers and busts this year so uh i every place every article you read defines these a little differently for our sake a breakout is someone that we could see landing as like a top 12 wide receiver this year that's not being drafted that way so who who do you see that could be that top 12 maybe top 15 wide receiver yeah i really like chase claypool i think he's got a ton of potential um some of it is kind of the profiles of the receivers around him um, I, I think we really we tend to sleep on these wide receiver rookie years from time to time when they're not these explosive breakout seasons like Justin Jefferson's. Um, but really what we want from those rookie receivers is just we don't want a dud here. We want a nice productive season where they're involved. And Claypool was involved from the start last year. So um, we might want to save a little bit for later on. But I, I just think that, you know, he showed kind of flashes of like a DK Metcalf rookie year. Uh, Metcalf caught 58 of 100 passes for 900 yards and seven touchdowns in his rookie season. Claypool, 62 of 109, 873 yards and nine touchdowns. Uh, they used him in the red zone. He's the only deep threat on their team. I mean, I think Deontay Johnson can be used downfield more, but uh, him and, and uh, Juju Smith-Schuster were just used right at the line of scrimmage last year. So uh, I, I think if they're going to run the ball more in Pittsburgh, uh, which they're definitely going to with Najee Harris at running back, it would make sense that they – kind of move away from those close 
uh, to the line of scrimmage passes. They use Claypool downfield more. He's their best big play threat. Um, they can use him in the red zone. I just think there's a lot of ways that he improves on his 109 targets and on his catch rate. And he's the, got the athletic profile of a true breakout. So I really like Claypool. I think he can break out. Unfortunately, everyone else thinks he can break out. So you really have to fight for him in drafts. But um, there's a ton of potential there. And we know the Steelers are still going to throw the ball a lot unless Roethlisberger's arm just completely falls off. So uh, there's just a lot of opportunity there. And then, I mean, both Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster have battled injuries at times. Like, I just I think everything could come together for Claypool here. Yeah, I mean, there is always the risk that Roethlisberger's arm falls off. I, I, he's thrown like a million passes in his NFL career. We're all counting down the days. But, you know, we've been doing that since for Tom Brady for like the last 10 years, too. So uh, there's clearly some level of longevity out there for quarterbacks these days. Uh, Claypool currently being drafted as the 27th wide receiver off the board. I mean, get him right at around the end of uh, round six. So, I mean, yeah, you, you do have to pay up a little bit for him. But I think around that time is a lot of people taking those upside throws. I mean, you see the wide receivers going around him, guys like uh, Brandon Ayuk, um, Jamar Chase, Tyler Lockett. These are all guys who are kind of in that same range in the draft. So, uh, you know, it's all people who are kind of banking on, hey, this guy, it, could he be a wide receiver one for me? Um, you know, and and that's kind of what they're, they're aiming for in the draft. Uh, one of those names, by the way, is my favorite breakout this year, which is Brandon Ayuk, because he is clearly incredibly talented as a wide receiver. And he had a really good year last year with like, no one good throwing him the ball like was cj bethard the best quarterback that he had last year like a, a one game of jimmy garoppolo or like however long jimmy g was able to play for like i mean he this year is at the worst case scenario well i guess worst case scenario is jimmy g gets hurt and trey lance isn't very good but like a medium worst case scenario is that he gets a good amount of jimmy g uh, which is better. I mean, I know Jimmy G has his issues, but he's better than CJ Beathard and um, the other quarterback they had last year who I can't even remember his name. He was so forgettable. Uh, and then uh, Trey Lance. I mean, we're all expecting big things from Trey Lance or hoping for it anyway. I think Ayuk will actually have a good quarterback play this year and will be able to capitalize on that as a, a, honestly like a really talented, really explosive wide receiver. So I, I could easily see Brandon Ayuk finishing with like, you know, a top, maybe top 12 wide receiver year, maybe kind of like a Terry McLaurin style season, um, you know, where he really elevates his quarterback with the way that he's able to play. But if he can get competent quarterback play to go with that, you know, that could really boost him up into that elite uh, range. So that's why I'll be drafting Brandon Ayuk. He's being drafted uh, 25th at wide receiver. I'm kind of going at the beginning of round six. So we're really uh, in, or sorry, the beginning of round five. So we're kind of in that uh, round five, round six range again at wide receiver. But I, I just think there's so much potential there for Ayuk that I, I'll definitely be targeting him there. Um, what about a sleeper for you? So someone who uh, is going, you know, way deeper in the draft, um, let's say after a pick like a hundred, um, you know, and, and someone who you could see getting real value out of uh, despite how late he's going in the draft. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to call Will Fuller a sleeper, um, especially if you've drafted with me, because I think I've taken him just every single draft I've been in. Um, but it's Will Fuller for me. I, I don't know why people are so down on him at this price. Um, you can get him as your wide receiver four, your wide receiver five. I mean, what is the risk at that point? You know, you've probably got three solid receivers in front of him. And his upside is just so huge. I mean, I know he's been spoiled playing with Deshaun Watson, and that's going to inflate his numbers. But um, if Tua makes any kind of a step here, Will Fuller could blow up. Yes, he's going to miss week one with a PED suspension. We'll be back after that. Um, you know, he just – his points per game are elite, 17.2 uh, per game last season. I was eighth among all receivers. 
Um, he scored 2.52 points per target, the best of all receivers with more than 50 targets. And that's like not a fluke. He's done that throughout his career. He's just a big play threat. And last year he started to show more of a wide receiver one profile. He was actually just, you know, catching targets and getting volume and not like just the big play threat. And then that suspension happened. But um, I just think, yes, there's a lot of risk with Will Fuller, his injury history, uh, I just it's it's worth it where you're getting him. You don't have to count on him to lead your team. And I think he could really blow up here, especially if this Dolphins offense looks a little more explosive and they're they're full of explosive players. So I, I, I'm drafting Will Fuller pretty much every draft. Yeah, I almost wonder if uh, some of this is due to like when in, in your you know most draft uh, softwares out there, it'll show that he's suspended because he's going to be suspended for for game one and and they don't dig enough to go. Oh, yeah, it's just one game. Um, and so I wonder if people like are looking at, hey, Will Fuller or this guy. Well, this guy's not suspended, so I'm going to draft him instead of Fuller and Fuller because he's being drafted at wide receiver 45 right now. His ADP is 113th. Um, it may vary depending on the the site that you're on. Um, you know, I, I haven't looked deep enough to see what his ADP is on like Yahoo versus ESPN. Some sites might be a little bit more savvy than others. Um, and, and depending on your league, they might be a little bit more savvy. But I know even you know the best players can get caught up sorting by ADP. And if Will Fuller is you know the 45th ranked wide receiver by that, you know, they may miss him just because they don't see him on their list. So uh, Fuller's definitely someone to target. I think if you can get him, I don't even think you need to wait that late. Honestly, I think if you draft him in like the seventh round, you're, you're still getting value. Yep. Um, uh, so you don't even necessarily need to hold off until like pick 112 uh, and hope that he's still there at his ADP. You can jump the gun a little bit and still get value. Uh, for me, I'm going with someone who's uh, even further down than that, uh, currently being drafted as the 52nd wide receiver off the board, and that's Darnell Mooney in Chicago. Uh, very similar to Brandon Ayuk. I think he's a very talented wide receiver. Uh, who, especially in Chicago, does not have a lot of competition for targets. I mean, it's really just Allen Robinson. Uh, Tariq Cohen, we're not sure when he's going to be back. It doesn't look like it's going to be early on in the season. Uh, and then what? What Cole Komet, like Jimmy Graham, like these are these are the people who they're going to be competing with. And again, I mean, Dalton isn't a world beater. Justin Fields may not be the best rookie quarterback. But they can't be worse than Trubisky and Foles. So I feel good about Darnell Mooney getting some decent chances there in Chicago. And uh, neither of these quarterbacks have ever played with Allen Robinson before. There's no you know previous chemistry to go off of. Obviously, Robinson is insanely talented, but I think it's very possible that you know if Dalton develops a connection with Mooney, you know we could see uh, a, a season. I don't. I'm not expecting Mooney to be like an every week starter type guy, but I feel like he's the kind of person that you're drafting him as like your fifth wide receiver, and he could be like a wide receiver three. Um, someone you know, someone who's flexed in and flexed out based on matchups, kind of a deal. So I want Darnell Mooney, especially at that price. Um, I think you could do far worse at that point in the draft, a wide receiver. So I'll be taking him. Uh, speaking of doing far worse. Eric, what are the mistakes people should avoid early on in the draft? Which wide receiver do you think is going to bust? Yeah, and this one isn't super early. I mean, it's we were talking before the show. I just love so many of these receivers. It's hard to find some early busts. But um, I'm going to go with Cortland Sutton for the bust. I, I think people are a little bit overinflating how good his 2019 season was. It was good, but uh, it was about 14 points per game, six touchdowns on 124 targets. You know, he was wide receiver 28. Um, a lot of it was the quarterback play wasn't good, but we've got that same situation in Denver. It's Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater. It's not like uh, they're going to light the world on fire. So um, I think Sutton is now coming off an ACL injury. He's been working off the rust in camp. Um, he's got Jerry Judy as probably the number one receiver. Uh, he was a better prospect coming into the league. And they've got a lot of depth, too. I mean, Tim Patrick's a good receiver. Noah Fant's an explosive tight end. Like, there's a lot of people for Sutton to, to compete with here. 
And I, I think just time and time again, we assume they're coming off an ACL injury. These are pro athletes. They'll be right back. But um, there's nothing that says that this is going to be Sutton's best year of his career coming off of ACL injury. So I just think with the competition coming off the injury, subpar quarterback play, I'm just I'm not going to be drafting any of Cortland Sutton. Um, he'll have to drop in drafts a little bit next year. Uh, you know, that, that might be the year to grab him. But I'm, I'm down on him this year. Yeah. And I mean, his draft price at, at 83rd right now at ADP, I mean, it's a, a seventh round pick. So it's not like this, this is a pick that you have to hit on to make or break your season. But I'll tell you this, it's a lot easier to do well in your season. If you're drafting a good wide receiver, who's going to produce in the seventh round versus someone who, uh, you know, now is the second best wide receiver on his own team. I, I don't think it's controversial to say Jerry Judy's a better wide receiver than Cortland Sutton uh, might have drew Locke throwing him the ball, which like, I mean, that's not ideal. Even if it's Teddy Bridgewater, it's, you know, Bridgewater showed last year that he can support uh, multiple fantasy relevant wide receivers. But again, I mean, how many weeks last year in Carolina? I don't have the numbers, but like just anecdotally, how many weeks did we see two of DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel having good weeks at the same time and not including Samuel's rushing? Right. Mm -hmm. Very frequently, I felt like it was either Moore or Anderson. We did not see Bridgewater uh, supporting both at the same time. And so I, I just. Even if Bridgewater's the quarterback down in Denver, I think there's way too much possibility for uh, Cortland Sutton to be kind of shut out. I mean, I mean, not shut out of this offense, but not getting the same good looks that he was getting two years ago. Yeah, and Broncos have a better defense. I don't know that they're going to be quite the shootout mode that the Panthers were a lot of the time. So, again, it's a lower one. Um, I think if you were going to force me to pick someone higher up, like – they're just kind of obvious. I mean, like Julio Jones could be a bus candidate. We know he's getting up there on age, a new team. But I mean, I think everyone knows what they're getting into with Julio. And most of these guys are just so rock solid. That's why they're going early. So, you know, outside of an Amari Cooper injury or a Julio injury, there's just not a lot of bus candidates up there. Yeah, I mean, injury is just always a, a yeah. bust candidate for any any player in the NFL. Um, some of them more so than others. A guy like Julio obviously has had his fair share of injury uh, history and, and even those nagging injuries that have, uh, you know, I remember that hamstring last year wasn't supposed to be or with I, it was one of the, I don't remember, it was one of the, it was a leg injury and it kept him out longer. And then even when he was back, he wasn't good. So all of that stuff always exists. Um, but Cortland Sutton for reasons other than just injury. Um, for me, a uh, very similar situation. Uh, it's Kenny Galladay. I, I, I like Galladay as a wide receiver. I think he's a good wide receiver. I don't think Daniel Jones is a good quarterback. <laughs> I don't think with the Giants offense with Saquon Barkley, um, you know, back there and with a good defense are going to be airing it out a bunch. And I just, I, I'm just very concerned that this is not going to be the like the offense where Kenny Galladay breaks out and has a fantastic year. Um, he's being drafted as a 28th wide receiver off the board. I mean, maybe he returns that. Uh, production i just i don't see there's too much more upside beyond that like what's his best case scenario he's like a top 20 wide receiver and i just feel like that's limited upside when you're talking about other guys in that same range who you could see as being way higher than that uh, i mean jerry judy for example who's going uh just two wide receivers after uh galladay has all the same quarterback issues but i mean i could see judy with his talent being a top 12 wide receiver like yeah. that's there i don't think the same case is there for kenny galladay i just i'm not feeling it as much um, you know, maybe it's the, the hamstring injury that we're hearing about in, in training camp right now, which apparently isn't supposed to be a significant injury, but it's a hamstring and it's a wide receiver. And I just, uh, those, I don't like those two things in the same sentence. So, uh, I'm very concerned about Galladay this year. I will not be drafting him where he's going off the board at, at pick 71. Yeah. And I mean, see, I, at first I was kind of taking the discount on him before this new injury popped up. Cause I did feel like he was the type that 
sure, Daniel Jones has his faults, but like Galladay's the type you just get it in his radius and he'll he'll come down with it. So I wasn't as worried about Daniel Jones, but I do get worried when a player misses so much time in one season like Galladay just did, and then mm-hmm. he's right back on the injury report in camp. I mean, we'll get to Michael Thomas later. It's kind of the same thing. It's like <laughs> at some point you just got to back off and say, I, I'm waiting until I see a healthy player out there before I invest too much in him. So yeah, I was getting Galladay at discounts quite a bit as like a wide receiver four or five or whatever, but uh, I'm backing off now for sure. All right, let's touch real quick on just wide receiver strategy. Uh, kind of, you know, how what what's your you know approach going into drafts? Um, how many wide receivers do you want to have on your team? Uh, you know, assuming I feel like most standard leagues these days are either three wide receivers and one flex, or two wide receivers and two flex. So it's kind of kind of the same amount of starting wide receivers. Generally speaking, I know obviously in a three wide receiver league, you might have one more wide receiver on your bench. Um, to cover for all those starting spots. So what's, how many wide receivers do you want on your team um, at the end of a draft? Yeah, so obviously depends on all the different roster types out there. But um, I generally, so like, I mean, we just did our mock draft. Um, we had three receivers and a flex. I drafted seven. Um, I, I generally, I want to be able to start uh, a receiver at flex. I think the days are long gone of just kind of planning. You used to just plan to start a running back at your flex because they were the biggest point scorers, the most dependable. I I think those days are going out the window. They're getting scarcer. Um, So I just want uh, to be able to fill out my three plus a flex and then a couple backups for injuries. So um, I I just, I almost include that flex as a receiver position. So like I said, I drafted seven in this mock. I don't think you can have too many wide receivers, really. It's just a matter of being able to take some shots on running backs. But, um, you know, if you can get six, that's great. Uh, But you want to have a buffer. So if you hit some injuries, you can still fill out a good three receivers and a flex with receivers. So just keep drafting them. Uh, When we get to the tiers, there are going to be some that I'll kind of back off on just because I think, the next, you know, they're all kind of the same, but um, other than that, I'm drafting as many as I can. Uh, is there a difference for you between like standard scoring or PPR scoring? Uh, like, do you want to have one fewer wide receiver in standard scoring or does it like not matter as much to you? It matters a little bit, but it's just, we're just a ways away now from the days where, you know, Eddie George was getting 28 carries every game and scoring a touchdown every game. There just aren't many of those running backs. I mean, you're going to be depending on like Melvin Gordon types. And uh, I, I think at that point, I would, even if it's standard, I'd still rather take my chances with, you know, Tyler Boyd's and Juju Smith Schuster's and some of those slot receivers. Like I just, yeah, even at standard, you do have to to adjust some, but I, I still am taking shots on receivers here just because running backs are kind of a, a dying breed in the NFL, at least as far as what we kind of remember from five, 10 years ago in fantasy. All right. Well, I I will say seven, seven does feel like a little bit much for me. I feel like I usually have six, but you know, six, that's that range. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, If you have eight wide receivers and you're trying to get into crazy person territory. Yeah. And uh, I'm also the type that will just forego having a backup quarterback or a backup tight end because I'm pretty confident in filling my waivers. So that frees me up more roster spots than most people. I understand a lot of y'all are going to draft a a backup tight end and a backup quarterback, but I just don't do it. I mean, in our mock draft, I drafted Kelsey and Aaron Rodgers. It's just, you know, if one of them goes down, so be it. It probably wasn't my year. That's the way. Well, I you, you didn't want to draft Jordan Love, you know, to just uh, <laughs> hedge your bets there. Uh, no. So you mentioned uh, tiers of wide receiver. What tier of wide receiver would you say you're hammering? Um, you've got basically seven tiers here that like kind of cover your top 70 uh, or so, which I would say is generally the number of wide receivers that we'd see actually drafted um, in, in a draft. So which of these tiers are you really like? I want to get, you know, maybe three guys out of this tier. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of hammering all the first five tiers, honestly, but um, I, I want to make sure, even though tier one and tier two are two separate tiers, um, I want to make sure I get one of them if uh, absolutely yeah, possible. So that's your, that's your top eight wide receivers. You want to make yeah. sure you have, that basically means you have to draft a wide receiver by the end of round, uh, round two. You can't, you can't go two RBs at the start because none of your top eight wide receivers, I'll just name them real quick. Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Diggs. Calvin Ridley, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, and Justin Jefferson. The lowest ADP of those is AJ Brown at 25. So if you want one of those guys, you have to have to have to take one in the first two rounds. Yep. And I mean, that's what I've been doing. Um, and I, I just, I think having one of them, they're just a, it's an explosive tier. Any of them could be the wide receiver one, um, any, either of those two tiers. So I, I always want to get one of them and I'm generally, I mean, I got Keenan Al at the top of tier three. I'm taking him in the third round all the time. So um, I, it's, it's really those first three tiers I'm hammering, getting as many as I can. Um, after that, like I still am drafting these players, but that's when you can kind of wait let them settle, uh, take some of the fallers in tier four or five. I'll probably still take a couple from those tiers, but they're more like there's more separation in ADP there where someone like Will Fuller for me, I might be able to get who's a tier five, top of tier five for me, I might be able to get him in the seventh, eighth round, you know? So I, I think you can't replace those first two tiers and to some extent those first uh, the first three tiers. So that's really what I'm hammering and then taking the values as they fall after that. Okay, so you mentioned you you just want to make sure you've got a handful of wide receivers from your top five tiers. That was like kind of the first thing that that you said. And that takes you through wide receiver thirty seven, which is ironically Cortland uh, Sutton at the <laughs> end of tier five. Um, how many of those wide receivers do you have on your teams coming out? When you say you're you're really making sure, is that four wide receivers are your top thirty seven? Are you going for five of those top thirty seven guys? Like how many of those do you typically end up with? I mean, well, so it's a little bit cheating because Fuller, I'm just so high on him compared to everyone else. He's kind of like a free square for me. But um, in our mock draft, I mean, I had Will Fuller was my fourth receiver at 712. Um, and I actually didn't get one of my elite two tiers because I went Kelsey, which is rare for me. But um, I had Evans, Woods, Higgins and Fuller. So I've got four right there for my tiers. And then I got Gallup in the ninth round, who's like at the top of my fifth tier. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm coming out with four or five a lot of the times. I just... Unless I'm going to get a, um, a tight end like Kelsey, I've been tending to go with one really good running back, maybe two, um, and then filling it in with receivers. Then you'll have your quarterback. But I, mean, I think tight end kind of swings it. If you're going to spend up on Kelsey, Kittle, or Waller, uh, it's probably going to replace one of your wide receivers. Yeah, well, I mean, you've got basically of your top five tiers, maybe like eight or nine of the wide receivers are currently being drafted in round seven or later. Um, you've got guys like Robbie Anderson and Debo Samuel who are going in the in the high 80s. Guys like Tyler Boyd and Brandon Cooks who are also going after pick 100. So, you're, I mean, you're saying basically of your first seven round, maybe like you can squeeze into your eighth round depending on where in the draft you fall. Uh, you're Four or five of those picks are wide receivers. Yep. Uh, I just... Like I said, I want uh, dependable wide receiver three. I want a dependable flex, and I just think receiver is the way to go nowadays. So uh, I'm getting as many as I can without completely punting the other positions. All right. And then, I, I mean, asking you what section you're avoiding kind of sounds like just the ones after your first five tiers. But um, are there any even like subsections of those tiers or are there any parts of the draft where you find yourself um, going away from wide receiver and and looking at other positions? Yeah, I think there's still there definitely still are sections that I'm avoiding. Um, I do think when you get down to tier five, uh, I don't draft Robbie Anderson a ton. It's not that I'm against him, but kind of 
he just I tend to have players higher up that are going later. But like Robbie Anderson, Odell Beckham, Juju Smith Schuster, Tyler Boyd, uh, I kind of fade that tier a little bit. Um, that's tier five. And then when you get to tier six, um, it just gets so spread out after that that I don't feel the need to reach on anyone. There's a lot of questions. Um, and that's when I might start going after some other positions when I start drafting my flyer running backs. So uh, I, I think we're really good at valuing receivers. And so those higher up receivers, there are very few holes in their games. And just as you get later on, I just don't get too attached to your favorite hype breakout player because there's probably four others that have just as good of a chance as breaking out. So that's the way I look at it. Go attack them early and then let the values fall because the the breakout receiver, we just, we might not, not be predicting him right now. And he might be sitting there in the 12th round. So maybe like, maybe like rounds like eight through 12 or like nine through 12 are rounds that you're typically not drafting wide receivers because it's not, I mean, it sounds like to me, this is just kind of what I'm hearing is like yeah. the, the guy that you could, you know, pay up for in round 10. Yeah. You might like him, but guess what? You're sitting there around 13 and you're like, Oh, I also liked this other guy as much mm -hmm. as I like that guy in round 10. So why, why did I pay up there? So yeah. you can, there's a, it's just a lot big, you know, kind of morass of, of wide receivers where it's just like any of these dudes are cool. So I don't need to, and the 10th round, let me go get a handcuff running back. Maybe let me go get my quarterback. If I missed out on, on one of those first two tiers, mm -hmm. uh, like we had talked about, uh, in the quarterback preview, um, so basically hammer wide receiver early and then draft the values late. I like it. Mm -hmm. um, that's I, I would do the same thing. Um, I think. I, yeah, because especially because I think for me, it's really it's much more difficult to find flyer running backs at the end of the draft than it is flyer wide receivers. So I would yeah. if once you start getting to that flyer territory, um, go for running back first uh, mm -hmm. and then go to wide receiver. Last question um, on strategy. And that's this is stacking because it's really popular to kind of talk about stacking players, um, either like getting two wide receivers from the same team or like part pairing up a wide receiver with the quarterback. So um, like, for example, you've got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, both kind of above their ADP. Like, have you found yourself drafting Evans and Godwin and then saying, okay, let me go get Tom Brady. Uh, because then on the weeks that it hits, I'm, I'm hitting big time or in a season long league, are you kind of fading that a little bit to kind of hedge your bets a little more? I, I'm admittedly bad at stacking. Um, I, I'm such a value drafter. I, I really try to get every piece of value I can out of the draft. And um, it causes me to not want to reach on quarterbacks. I don't think you need to stack in a redraft league. I, I think it's bigger on just the, the large overall uh, tournament type, uh, you know, best ball drafts. But mm -hmm. it's nice to have when you can do it in, in a redraft. Um, it's just I'm not going to jump tiers. Like, you know, I, I took Aaron Rodgers in, in the mock and I didn't have Devontae Adams. Um, I, just because he was the end of my tier, um, mm -hmm. my, you know, I, if I'm not going to go after Brady, if I have Evans or Godwin, I'm just going to pivot to one of my lower stacks. And that's kind of the way I'll approach it. So if I, if I miss out on my top receiver stacks, but I get Will Fuller there in the seventh, then I'm going to look a lot more at getting Tua maybe as my QB two. So I'm someone who's more likely to stack my second QB or um, if I waited on QB to stack with that, I, to get the elite stacks is just a lot of draft capital for me. I mean, you really have to commit to, to getting, you know, Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't same with Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. So it it's, it's really hard to get those elite ones. They just kind of have to fall in your lap. And after that, I'm taking kind of the, the secondary stacks that not everyone is chasing. <laughs> so if you're, if you're going after like not the elite stack, um, like let's say for, I mean, you mentioned it, a lot of the top wide receivers have top quarterbacks attached to them, um, of like the top 
10 wide receivers. Really the only non-elite quarterbacks in that group are Matt Ryan and Ryan Tannehill. Every other uh, wide receiver is, oh, and, and Kirk Cousins with uh, Justin Jefferson. But, you you know, everyone else has, you know, an Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, so on and so forth. So if you draft A.J. Brown, you're not necessarily saying, okay, well, let me let me put Ryan Tannehill in my let me let me like highlight him real quick and if if i can get him then i will um but you're not necessarily are you are you doing that or are you saying i really don't care see i mean i i do i i star him and i highlight him but i'm not going to pass on russell wilson in the sixth round because of it because i i I think there's a tier of quarterbacks you should try to hit and Mm -hmm. if i get russell wilson i'm probably not going to take Tannehill later that's just i don't see the need to double up so uh now i mean as we talk through it some of the stacks that just seem perfect and easy to accomplish is Russell Wilson with either Lockett um, or DK Metcalf, uh, mm-hmm. Justin Herbert with uh, Keenan Allen. I mean, that's really mm-hmm. easy to pull off. Um, that's the range I'm going for. If you want to go Burrow, we'll talk about that situation a little bit later, but those are the ones I'm looking at uh, just because they can kind of fall into your lap a lot easier. Um, but I, I'm just, I'm not going to pass on my tier quarterback that I want just to pair up my receiver with Tannehill four rounds later, I guess is what I'm saying. Okay, so, so so stacking is not top of mind no, for you. No, but if you're playing in a big underdog tournament, then yeah, you're trying to beat thousands of other people, then you got to go for it a little more, but not not in your typical 12-team league. Right. Uh, all right, let's talk about the wide receivers. Um, tier one is pretty much a no-brainer. You've got Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill in tier one. Um, they're the only two wide receivers there. They're also pretty far separated from everyone else in ADP. Um, Stephon Diggs is also up there um, right behind Tyreek Hill, but – uh, it, it seems pretty clear around the industry that those are the top two guys. And, and yeah, if you're drafting a wide receiver in the first round, it's Devonta Adams or Tyreek Hill. Um, tier two is a little bit more interesting. Uh, you got DeAndre Hopkins at three, Stephon Diggs, four, Calvin Ridley, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, and then Justin Jefferson. Um, by the way, Justin Jefferson did go down uh, in practice, uh, made a diving catch, sprained his AC joint in his shoulder, but he's considered day-to-day. Shouldn't be too much of a concern. I mean, we still have uh, basically a month before the regular season starts. So uh, it's really not a, a big deal. He'll be fine. Uh, are there anyone in this tier that you are particularly concerned about? Or um, just kind of how do you how do you view this tier as far as like ceiling and floor goes? No, I mean, I love this tier. I'm taking whoever's available, whoever's highest on my list. If I could get two of them, great. Um, I, you know, I'm usually getting a running back. But no, I mean, I think... So there's a few, I mean, I could see Justin Jefferson just continuing to ascend. I mean, he, he was so elite last year. Um, he was a rookie. He got a slow start and he had double digit targets in six of his final eight games. Like cousins really started to lean on him. So like, he's the last in my tier. And if you told me he was the wide receiver one, I I wouldn't even flinch. So, um, I, you know, I think there's, there's a few concerns like AJ Brown battled injuries all of last year, had surgeries on both of his knees, um, you could spin that two ways. You could say he's an injury risk and I'm worried about it. Or you could say uh, he just balled out with two injured knees. Like, you know, like I, you can kind of go both ways on those things. So like he's, I mean, that's a concern, but uh, I'm not scared away from drafting Brown. So no, I mean, I just, I think they're all super locked into high target volume. They're all talented. I mean, I don't think you could question the talent of any of these players. So um, no, it's, it's really just like anytime it's injuries, but uh, it's, they're all pretty much unquestioned number ones on their team and they all have good quarterbacks. So, uh, there, there's very little reason to be worried about them. All right, let's move on to tier three. Uh, you've got Keenan Allen as your ninth ranked wide receiver, then Mike Evans, Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, 
CD Lamb and Robert Woods rounds out the tier at 15. These guys are going generally between about pick 25 and pick 40. Actually, Chris Godwin going as late as 48. Um, let's talk about Godwin and actually let's talk about Evans too, because you're uh, five spots higher than the uh, than their ADPs are currently for these guys. Um, basically, you've got Evans at 10 and Godwin at 13. They're being drafted as the 15th and 18th wide receivers off the board. And there's you know guys in the tier after them that are going before, like, for example, Julio Jones, you have ranked in tier four, but he is going off the board before both Evans and Godwin. So what do you see in Evans and Godwin that maybe the rest of the industry isn't taking account? It's just, I mean, the Tampa Bay won the the Super Bowl, and we kind of just forget how much they struggled early on, how long it took them to kind of figure out what offense they were running. Uh, It's not like this was a full season of Evans and Godwin with Brady just, you know, clicking like an established offense. I mean, it took a while to get going. And then both of these receivers battled injuries last year. I mean, Evans was on their injury report all season. Uh, Chris Godwin had a concussion, a hamstring strain and a broken finger. Like these two battled a lot last year, both injuries and learning their new quarterback. And they still produced. I mean, Mike Evans has had a thousand yards in every single year of his career, all seven seasons. He scored eight more touched eight or more touchdowns, five of seven years. Like last year, I mean, what more could have gone wrong last year other than battling leg injuries and a new quarterback, and he still produced. So um, Evans had a bizarre stat line. I mean, he had some one catch, two yards. Yeah, in those are some weird games. weeks. Like two catches, two yards, two touchdowns. But, I mean, Brady clearly locked on to him in the red zone. Um, I, he's going to get work there. He's a talented receiver. He's just the type that I'm going to bet on every year. I mean, it's, it's worked out every year. So I just, I, I think they're really talented Buccaneers took a while to get going. And if they can start from week one, like they looked at the end of last year, look out. Cause I mean, Brady was thrown for over well over 300 yards every game down the stretch. You've got a couple of guys in here, and and I, by the way, I completely agree on on Evans and Godwin. I they it's easy to forget how weird the first half of the season was for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, considering how well it all went down the stretch. But um, yeah, I mean there were there were times when everyone was really concerned about Evans because remember those two, it was two catches, two yards, and two touchdowns, and we we're like, what is this if if those weren't touchdowns? Like what what is this game? Like are is this the Mike Evans? And this was back when I mean. Uh, Chris Godwin wasn't even fully healthy. Like, I mean, Scotty Miller was getting targets. Like, it was super weird, and no one really knew what to make of it. Yeah. Uh, but clearly, Brady developed that rapport with them. That you know, the whole receiving core is back. There's not no new names or new faces that are really going to be uh, vying for targets. So we don't have to worry about someone usurping these guys. And not not that anyone could, but right. I mean, someone. I mean, Brady has always had that like weird dude that he has like some weird rapport with that like went undrafted and is like 34 years old and used to be a janitor, but now like Brady's throwing touchdowns. And we don't have that guy theoretically. So, uh, uh Giovanni Bernard maybe, but other than that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, and, and he still has to compete with Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette for, for yeah. snaps. So point being is I, I don't think there's really that much risk with, with Evans and Godwin. I like uh, what they both can do. And uh, I think we saw last year that uh, we can easily have two wide receivers in this offense, both really produce. Um, you've got uh, two wide receivers between them, Terry McLaurin and Allen Robinson, who both have, uh, I mean, I, I'm higher on Dalton and Fields than I was with uh, Trubisky and Foles, but it's still questionable quarterback play in both Chicago and Washington. Um, you know, are you at all concerned about the floors there for for McLaurin or Robinson? 
No, not so much. I mean, McLaurin was really good with Dwayne Haskins as a fantasy player. Um, Haskins, I mean, obviously they were teammates in college, so that helped a little bit. But uh, I don't know that McLaurin necessarily needs a great quarterback. Uh, It's just last year was Alex Smith, uh, Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, Taylor Heineke, Case Keenum, Colt McCoy. Actually, that's over his first two seasons. Those are the quarterbacks he's played with. So <laughs> it's a it's a really low bar. And I, I mean, Fitzpatrick is gonna at least give him some spike weeks. He's gonna get the ball down the field. Um, and really, like he was pretty good last year. He just didn't score touchdowns. He only had four touchdowns. McLaurin did. So um, we just need some shots downfield, some more red zone work, and he's gonna be fine. I. I think at wide receiver 11, it's, it is projecting the breakout kind of already. And I haven't been getting a lot of McLaurin, so he's not one of my most drafted. But I just I think the talent's there. Um, he's young. Uh, he's got someone to get the ball downfield. So I like McLaurin. Um, Robinson, it's just going to be interesting. I think we know what he's going to do with Dalton out there. He's going to be more of the same, um, what he's done the last few years. It's The big question is when Fields takes over, how much passing volume is is there? Um, I, I can't imagine Fields doesn't connect with them, but you know you still kind of have to see it happen first with a new quarterback. Um, but Robinson's been so consistent; he he can kind of fit. I feel like every different type of offense. So they're both pretty locked in. I don't draft a ton of either, but they're there for you if you need them. I, I they're solid picks for sure. All right, and then you've got someone here ranked at fourteen. That before we went on air, you had mentioned like you thought you were high on him and yet the industry is drafting him as the 11th ranked wide receiver. And that's CD lamb. So uh, his ADP is even higher than, than you had expected. And you were already feeling like, wow, I'm being really high on him to put him at 14. Um, Why is everyone so high on CD lamb? Um, I think a lot of it's just the eye test. I mean, he looks like a receiver that's going to dominate the league for quite a while. It's easy to, uh, it's, it's easy to picture, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins when you look at him pretty easily. So I think that's part of it. Um, But I mean, he averaged 13.6 PPR points per game on 111 targets with, you know, the mess of quarterback last year. You get um, Dak Prescott throwing him the ball Uh, with Dak first five games of his career. He had six receptions for 87 yards per contest. Uh, You know, he was on his way for an even better year. So um, he kind of disappeared a little bit at times in the second half, but that was just a mess of a team. So this is really just, trying to catch that next ascending player. Um, it's, I think it's really just a matter of, are we too early on the complete breakout? You know, do we just kind of see a, a marginal bump this year or not? But all it would take would be an Amari Cooper injury. And all of a sudden, I mean, where, where are we ranking CD Lamb if, if Cooper's out? I mean, he probably he probably shoots up to battling Allen Robinson, if not higher, Terry McLaurin. I mean, he's almost a top 10 receiver. So there's just a lot of ways where he blows up this year. And uh, I, I do like to bet on talent at the end of the day. I, I'm just a little bit concerned that we are drafting him, maybe not at his upside, because I think a guy like CeeDee Lamb has wide receiver one upside, which is maybe why uh, he's being drafted so high. However, I think the path, he has a narrower path to, you know, that being a top three, top five wide receiver than a lot of the guys in front of him. Um, and I think we're drafting someone like there's no, there's no, no value, no surplus value. If you draft him as the 11th best wide receiver, which is where he's currently going and he finishes his wide receiver 10, you didn't get a whole lot of surplus value there. So that to yeah. me is just kind of similar to what you were saying with, uh, uh, you know, kind of waiting on wide receivers late. I feel like for me personally, this is also the tier of wide receivers where, um, yeah, CD Lamb has immense upside, uh, but so does Jamar Chase. So does Brandon Ayuk, and these guys are going a lot later. Um, so I, I just, you know, as yeah. a Cowboy fan, I would love nothing more than CD Lamb to be a top five wide receiver in the NFL. 
I yep. just don't know if we're going to get it right away, especially with, uh, you know, the running game in Dallas with Amari Cooper, with Michael Gallup, uh, just a lot of competition here in Dallas yeah. for, for, and, and we have no idea. I mean, we have some idea of, of Dak's relationship with CD lamb based on the first few games last year. Um, and it was pretty good. So I actually, yeah. I'm not even gonna go down that path. It could be, it could be really, could be really <laughs> good this year. He's just one of those weird scenarios we run into in fantasy where, and it's part of the, I mean, I had him a handful of spots lower and I just realized that if someone went by my rankings, they were never going to draft him. And, we get in these weird spots in fantasy where it's like, do I really want to never draft CD lamb? Like that feels wrong. You know, like it's, yeah. if you're picking a team of the best players you can get, it feels like lamb is in there somewhere. So it's That's just fair. a balancing act of getting him on some of your rosters without just way overpaying. And I definitely agree. This might be overpaying, but I do think he's got a decent floor. So I, I don't think he's going to burn you. It's just, maybe there was another wide receiver one there that you missed on because you were chasing the hype. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, maybe it was Chris Godwin or Mike Evans. Uh, and then rounding out the tiers, Robert Woods, Steady Eddie. I mean, Woods has, has been as you know consistent as they get, and I don't think that's going to change. Uh, tier four, we've got Amari Cooper, Julio Jones, Adam Thielen, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Tyler Lockett, DJ Moore, T. Higgins, Brandon Ayuk, and Deontay Johnson. So big tier there, about 10 wide receivers making up tier four. Uh, and I think the the names that stand out the most to me are Jamar Chase and T Higgins uh, at respectively uh, wide receiver 20 and wide receiver 23. Um, what are you seeing uh, out of Cincinnati that, that leads you to believe these guys are going to be top 25 wide receivers? Well, uh, they are both uh, in danger of dropping down my rankings because the news out of Cincinnati has not been good. Um, there have been some struggles from Joe Burrow, some articles written about his struggles, just kind of, I think, overcoming the mental aspect of planting his front leg and, you know, kind of being in there under pressure. Um, but then the next day they said he had a good best practice of training camp. So it's always hard this time of year. There's been a report on Jamar Chase saying he's not getting the separation you would like to see. Um, and it kind of reminds you that, you know, he opted out from last year in college and he hasn't played for over a year. So there's going to be some rust there with Chase, but we could easily see a practice next week where he's just making circus catches. So it's hard to know. I, I think the Bengals offense is trending down, though, that we've overvalued them. Um, so I think Chase and Higgins are going to drop probably to the bottom of this tier in my next update. Um, there's just enough red flags coming up right now in Cincinnati that I'm starting to worry. But um, I just keep going back to last year where A.J. Green got over 100 targets. Uh, so did T. Higgins. So did um, – sorry, not Jerry Judy. Uh, the other <laughs> – the Bengals receiver, Tyler Boyd. Um, all of them got over 100 targets there. And I just keep going back to that. And – you know, maybe Chase doesn't surpass Higgins this this rookie year, um, but I am interested in taking either of them. Um, and once you get out of tier four, the top of the tier for me is Will Fuller, Chase Claypool, uh, Robbie Anderson, Odell Beckham. I'm not sure that I want to drop them below them. So it's not a big drop, but I, I think they're going to trend towards the bottom of this tier for me. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the guys at the top of the tier because we have two wide receivers here at the top who I think um, – you know, in years past have been drafted way higher than this. That's Amari Cooper and Julio Jones. Um, and we're kind of facing, I, I, at least with Julio Jones, the uh, annual question of uh, how much injury risk do I want to take on this team? And then with Cooper, he's currently on the pup list. I know he's close to 100% was the last uh, report on him, but, you know, he still has not started practicing yet. Um, where are you on on Jones, uh, especially Jones, given just how often he's missing practice and, and just battling nagging injuries uh, and Cooper as well in terms of their injury risk and, and the investment you're making, picking them here? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, Julio was so elite from 2014 to 2019 and 
2019 wasn't that long ago. It's tempting to take another crack at him. Um, and even last year when he did play uh, about six receptions for 86 yards a game, um, you know, he was still 20th in air yards per game. Like he's still, I think still has that downfield explosive profile. It's just a matter of the Titans throwing less um, his injury concerns, which are kind of overrated. It's just more, he doesn't practice, but um, that's going to catch up to him someday as he ages in the league. So um, I, I think generally I'm passing on him. Um, it's he's, he feels a little better in like best ball, um, but he, he's never been a touchdown scorer either. He's had just one 10 touchdown season. So I, it's hard for me to get too excited about Julio first time, maybe being the wide receiver two on his team, new team for the first time in his career, uh, lack of touchdowns in the past. Uh, there's just a lot of red flags here with him. So I try to give him a little respect because he's still uh, one of the elite receivers, but he hasn't ended up on many of my teams. And then Amari Cooper just kind of is what he is. Um, he's been between 14 or 15 fantasy points per game in each of the past three years. And he's never really had that elite breakout season. And I'm starting to wonder if that's ever going to happen. So especially with CD Lamb battling him. Cooper's just, he he fills a role. He's going to be, he's not consistent because we know how his weekly scoring is. It's anything but consistent. But at the end of the year, he's going to be consistent. So if you, if you missed on receivers early, uh, he's a fine fill in as your wide receiver too, I'd say. Yeah, with Julio, I just realized it's kind of interesting because I remember last year on our Sid Start podcast, pretty much every week we were like, all right, it's Wednesday and Julio Jones and, uh, didn't practice and in Tennessee, A.J. Brown didn't practice. And now neither of them will practice on Wednesday. Who is Ryan Tannehill going to throw to and practice on Wednesdays? Does Tannehill get the day off too? Because it's like, all right, uh, <laughs> I guess we're just – I mean, Jonu Smith is gone now too. So who is he Who is he throwing the ball to on Wednesday practices? Lots of uh, Josh Reynolds just- and Ferkser. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they just take the whole maybe just everyone takes the day off on Wednesdays in, in honor of Julio and make you know to not have them feel left out you know yeah. uh but also with AJ Brown he did uh you know that was due to knee injury that kind of was bothering him throughout the year so maybe he'll practice on Wednesdays this year maybe AJ Brown will bother to show up <laughs> um all right tier five uh, I feel like we've talked about a lot of guys in tier five because uh, a lot of them were on our uh, breakouts and bus list. So tier five, again, another big tier, we got about 12 wide receivers in this. So we're going to break it up into two sections. The top half, we got Will Fuller, who we've talked about plenty. Uh, again, he's being drafted really late. Uh, and, and if you can get him in the eighth round in your draft, do so. Uh, Chase Claypool, Eric, you picked him as your breakout. <laughs> sorry, as your breakout. If you want to hear more about that, go back up to the part in the podcast where we talked about breakouts. Uh, next, Kenny Galladay, who I talked about as my bust. Uh, Robbie Anderson at 29, Odell Beckham Jr. at 30, and then Juju Smith Schuster at 31. Um, I want to ask about so with Beckham and Juju, I feel like maybe it's just me. I have I have never been able to actually get value out of these two guys, and I, I think it's just because I just always am wrong on whether or not to start them. Um, talk talk me into uh, why I should even bother drafting Odell or Juju Smith Schuster this year. It's tough on Odell. I mean, it's been a while since his last big season. Um, he was wide receiver four back in 2016. Um, he had a limited 12 games in 2018 where he was excellent, but. The injuries are adding up. He's entering his age 29 season. So um, I, I think he's going to, you know, he used to be the elite receiver you took or at least hoped for. Um, and I think we're transitioning out of that phase of his career. And now we're just kind of hoping that he's kind of a big play threat, um, gives us some spiked weeks. And hopefully there's enough, you know, floor there where week to week it's not it's not horrible. But um, we, I think we just need to see that big playability back for him. That's that's the key here. But just just 
I mean, we all know it by now, but he's not going to win you your league. I don't think at this stage of his career that the passing volume is just too low. He's getting up there from an age and just too many injuries. So just reset your expectations, but he, he could contribute as a big play receiver for your team for sure. All right. And then what about Juju Smith-Schuster, who's you know going to be the third wide receiver on his team? Um, probably going to be third in targets. Uh, I just feel like we're going to see, as you mentioned, a breakout year from Claypool. We all know when Deontay Johnson was healthy, he was getting – he had some games where he was up there, like 15 targets in a game. Um, so Juju, I just – I mean, he's, I think, the highest ranked uh, third wide receiver that you have, um, right next to Tyler Boyd. Uh, for what it's worth. So, you know, two uh, high-end wide receiver threes there. But I, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm very concerned that if the Steelers get in a game where they're not throwing it a ton um, or, you know, Juju's just not, you know, getting open. I, I just don't know if the, this is the guy I want to buy in on. Yeah, I mean, his average target distance and air yards per reception was abysmal last year. Um, it, it only ranked ahead of uh, Debo Samuel, who we may get to in a bit, but um, he was like second to last in the league and everything among qualified receivers. They were just throwing super short passes to Juju, but I mean, he had 128 targets. So in a PPR league, he was wide receiver 24 on a point per game basis. Our projections have him at wide receiver 33. Uh, I mean, that feels about right. I, I think you're getting Juju about what he's worth here. Um, it's just a matter of would you rather go for upside in this stage of the draft? So, um, you know, you look further down the list, someone like Debo or Jerry Judy certainly has a higher range of outcomes, and I could see going for them over Juju Smith-Schuster. But, hey, if you had some volatile guys up front, maybe you take him just so you know you have those, you know, 7 to 12 points every week. So um, it, it's just a, a team construction part with with Juju. I don't draft him a ton, um, but he's going to get a lot of targets. We, it's it, Claypool and Najee Harris could eat into his targets, but he's still going to get a lot of targets. All right, and then back half of Tier 5, we've got Tyler Boyd, Debo Samuel, Jerry Judy, uh, Brandon Cooks, uh, which, I mean, again, with Cooks especially, there's, we don't know who's going to be throwing him the ball. So I I don't know if I want to be drafting Cooks. But, I mean, he's going to pick 106. Um, so might be one of those guys worth taking a shot on, but at the same time, we're that that's the point in the draft where like, I'm kind of, we're looking at other positions besides wide receivers. So I don't know if you find yourself in, in round nine and Brandon cooks is on the board and you only have three wide receivers on your team. Yeah, sure. Go for it. But, uh, if you're picking him to be a bench wide receiver, you, you might be better off just waiting, especially since again, it might be Tyrod Taylor throwing them the ball. And I don't, I don't know if I'm in on Brandon cooks with Tyrod <laughs> Taylor under center uh dj chark at 36 and then Cortland sutton at 37 we talked a lot about sutton and judy uh higher up i want to ask about dj chark because with the jacksonville wide receivers um i don't know necessarily that chark lavisca chenault and marvin jones jr are like that far apart from each other in terms of talent and then we've got a brand new quarterback brand new head coach uh there's no telling how they're going to use these guys or, or who uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to develop a rapport with. Why, why would I pay up for Chark uh, as opposed to just waiting and grabbing Chenault or Marvin Jones? Yeah. I mean, that's a valid question. Um, I've been getting a lot more of the other two myself. Um, I do like Chark and I want to take shots in this offense because I think Lawrence is going to be really good. Um, Urban Meyer kind of picked on DJ Chark early on, but he responded to it well. He seemed like he passed the, you know, the coach's test of taking the criticism and trying to get better. Um, he's had a, a thousand yard season. He's a former second round pick. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot in his profile that points to Chark being the best bet here. Um, but I do agree. I would probably try to catch him at a value. And if I miss on him, I'm just going to take Chenault. So, um, I'm right there with you, but I, I do want to take shots at this and, 
I don't think Marvin Jones is probably going to give you that breakout season at this point. He could be very useful and playable, but if anyone was going to give the breakout, it's Chark or Chenault. And so that's why you take some shots on him because you go below him on the list. And I think you kind of know what you're going to get from most of these players. So he's kind of a wild card here, at, uh, you know, 36 or wherever he's at. I will say with with Marvin Jones, he's going to pick 150. I, I feel like yeah. I'm going to have him on a lot of my teams as my last wide receiver. Um, yeah. just because he's so dirt cheap that it, it it's just so easy. And and there's a, a lot of people that are going to be available at that range where it's like, I don't know. I feel like Jones does have the most upside of the people around here. Um, you know, there's uh, a lot of wide receivers down there and we're, <laughs> we can't touch on them all. We're going to try to touch on as many of them as we can. Uh, but again, as we mentioned before, go to QBList.com to see all of the write-ups on all these guys. Um, rounding out uh, tier five, uh, you had mentioned Debo Samuel a little earlier, kind of with your Juju Smith-Schuster analysis. Um, so it, it sounded like you were kind of out on Samuel based on the metrics that you had kind of given. Where where do you stand on Debo Samuel? Yeah. So, I mean, I just remember him from the year before last, and he looked awfully good, awfully explosive. Um, but like I said last year, I mean, he was last in – every distance you know metric you can on where they were getting the ball to him in the passing game and that's I mean, that's a concern we want players that are getting the ball downfield to some extent because it just uh kills their upside if they don't um but i mean and you know debo samuel was hurt last year playing with a bad quarterback situation um he still managed to get a 13 9 and 8 target game last year like he had some spiked weeks as far as usage um, it's just, it, it's hard to know. He's had a lot of injuries pile up. Is that going to be a concern throughout his career? Um, uh, but no, I'm willing to take shots on him. I just think the depth of target stuff, uh, kind of bumps Ayuk up over him, but, uh, Debo, if he stays on the field, uh, he's going to shoot up these rankings. And especially if Trey Lance comes in and looks as good as, you know, some of the training camp hype has been. So Debo is someone I, he's on my radar. I'm drafting when I can. It does seem like some people are hyping him up a little too high though. All right. So that kind of rounds out tier five. Again, as we mentioned in the wide receiver strategy section of this, this is kind of the, at the end point where like, we want to have four wide receivers, maybe even five by this point. Uh, and after this, we're just taking shots on, on the guys we like the most. So I'm kind of switching it up. We're going to talk about them a little bit in, in order of ADP, just hitting on some of the the big names that we, there's news on, we need to talk about. And then uh, at that point, honestly, I just kind of find out who are the people that you're targeting, why, and, and at what point. So real quick, first up, um, we got to talk about Michael Thomas. Um, even with all the recent news, his ADP over the last week has still been in like the low 50s. So he's going in round four or five-ish range. Um, he is probably going to be out until week seven. Uh, most likely he had uh, surgery in June that had like a four-month recovery timetable also there's some news recently that uh he ghosted the saints during the offseason and then he tweeted out some cryptic tweet that said they tried to damage your reputation you saved theirs by not telling your side of the story which i'm 99 certain is something that i posted to myspace when i was like 13 <laughs> uh he since deleted the tweet uh but i don't so you have michael thomas ranked 57th he's going off the board as the 20th ranked wide receiver i mean are we is this just just a do not draft situation Yes, unless you have an IR spot on your roster, do not draft. He's going to be out a while. Uh, this is two or three years in a row. He seems to be bickering with the team. And then I just always hate the – I hate bending on the players that missed such a huge chunk of a season to injury like Thomas did last year. Um, and then he just starts off on the wrong foot this year. Like it's just – who knows if he's even back by week six or seven. You know how these NFL injuries can linger. So uh, couple that with, you know, no Drew Brees now. I, I just – 
I can't imagine sitting on him for seven weeks, hampering myself during the waiver process, and then it pays off. I just, uh, I'm out on him. All right. Um, next, we're going to talk about Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown's going as the 37th wide receiver off the board at pick 91. Um, Bruce Arians uh, said today that uh, Antonio Brown is, quote, playing at a speed he was at four or five years ago. Now, I know there's a competition in Tampa Bay for targets. Uh, we've got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin ahead of him. But uh, are you at any uh, more interested in Antonio Brown uh, if he's able to kind of turn back the clock? <laughs> No, I mean, I'm not uh, taking too much in those kind of reports out of training camp. Um, I really wanted to have him ranked higher. I mean, he was he had 14.6 fancy points per game last year, wide receiver 23 on a per-game basis. Um, like we said, this offense sputtered at first and really you know, got into gear down the stretch. Um, he only played eight games last year off of his suspension. There's a lot of reasons to be in on Brown, but they brought back Godwin. You know, it's just a stacked offense. And unlike Godwin and Evans, I just don't think he's as locked in as they are. Um, He's not going to be on the field as much. Uh, He's 33 years old. This is the time to start fading even receivers. So um, I don't mind drafting him at all. I actually think he's a really good value in drafts. I think he's going to have some really nice weeks. And if there's an injury ahead of him, uh, that's, you know, to Godwin or Evans, uh, that's going to be huge for him. But um I don't think that he's re- just regained his Steelers form, if that's what you're asking. Yeah, I mean, and even if he has, again, uh, he wasn't competing with anyone in Pittsburgh at the level of Mike Evans and Chris yep. Godwin at the same time. So um, even with that in mind, that there's still a lot more competition. And I don't think he's, even if he, again, is at that level, I don't think he usurps them on the team's depth chart. They've just, they have more organizational uh, equity at that point. Uh, Miko Hardman going to pick 108. Um, the first Kansas City, uh, you know, unofficial depth chart came out and had him listed as wide receiver two uh, ahead of Demarcus Robinson. This is like the first time that Miko Hardman has actually been listed as a wide receiver two. Um, are we in any way interested in Hardman or is this still a Hill Kelsey offense and no one else matters? Yeah, I, I think we're interested. Um, we were kind of hoping in the past uh, that he was going to step up because, I mean, there's really nothing behind Kelsey and Hill. Uh, there's just everyone's kind of disappointed he's had the chance. And we've always kind of hoped it was Hardman because of his speed. But this seems to be the first training camp where, you know, we're getting reports that he's running lots of different routes. He's not just burning people downfield in training camp. Um, they're using him a lot more. He's two on the depth chart. Uh, Sammy Watkins is gone. I mean, yes, we should be taking shots on him. This is an explosive offense. These are the type of players that can win you leagues. Um, something happens to someone ahead of them. There's, you know, 150 targets opened up all of a sudden. Like, it, it could burn you just like last year, and you're wasting whatever round pick you're using on them. But um, it, the upside is there. So this is probably one of these you're going to either feel real smart or real dumb after the first three weeks of the season. But it's it's worth it in Kansas City's offense. All right, and then uh, finishing up, let's break it down a little bit by ADP. Um, who are some guys that you're targeting? Again, we're talking about this is after you know you get your core wide receivers. So at this point, any of the names that we're mentioning they should not be people you're drafting to be a, a week in and week out starter. These are guys that you're uh, you know unless you really like you know got stuck and and maybe you're grabbing like Jarvis Landry, um, you know someone like that to to play week in and week out. But if we're assuming that these people followed you know, your advice and they're at the, you know, taking their bench wide receivers at this point, who are some of your favorite wide receivers that you're targeting um, who have an ADP above um, let's say pick like 130. So it's still like in the top 10 rounds. I keep going back and forth on Jalen Waddle. Um, 
one minute he looks like he's explosive in camp and is playing lots of different positions and we should be taking flyers on him. One minute he's kind of, they say his ankle hasn't quite recovered from surgery last year. Um, but I'm taking shots on Waddle. Uh, Elijah Moore, the hype has just been too real in Jets camp. Uh, it's every day they're hyping him up. And, you know, we were talking about before the show, I mean, we're so bad at predicting quarterbacks. Uh, we were not on Justin Herbert as a, you know, fantasy industry before last year and he blew up. Who knows? Maybe Zach Wilson blows up. So I think Elijah Moore is worth taking shots on. Um, let's see. Um, I mean, we talked about Chenault. He's earlier on, but um, I like taking some shots on him. Uh, Michael Gallup, he's like practically a, a, a handcuff. Uh, if something happens to Lamb or Cooper, he could really blow up and he could have value on his own. So I like him. Um, and I think uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, rookie receiver for the Lions, is intriguing. I just don't like what they have there, and he has a shot to – um, fill a role that the deep threat veteran receivers won't fill a little closer to the line of scrimmage. So he could see some targets. Um, I, I think that's covered a decent amount of them. Rondell Moore is intriguing at receiver for Arizona, but we're starting to get pretty deep here. So, um, well, let's, so I was actually going to transition to that next. So um, one name I just wanted to throw out uh, again in that same range. We talked about Darnell Mooney at the top of the show. I also want to mention Corey Davis um, and Marvin Jones. I, I touched on Jones earlier. He's going around pick 150 and then Corey Davis going around 135. I wouldn't mind. Um, taking a pick uh, like the 11th or 10th round pick on Corey Davis um, and and not necessarily waiting to get the wide receivers. I feel like he is one of the most talented wide receivers in the NFL and just maybe the change of scenery. Not saying like going to New York is like better than being in Tennessee, but sometimes we see these guys just need new coaching, a new quarterback, and, and that can be what, all that it takes to, to kind of unlock it. So um, I kind of like the idea of Corey Davis taking a, a flyer on him and maybe seeing if he can unlock that, you know, top five pick potential that he had when he was uh drafted um now let's talk kind of end of the draft these you know you're in your last couple rounds you might have already picked your kicker in your defense uh and you're just taking flyers at this point who are some of these guys uh you mentioned uh rondale moore uh, uh from the arizona cardinals who else is on your radar at this point so i mean i think sterling shepherd is super boring um i know nobody likes to take sterling shepherd but if kenny galladay really misses some serious time here it just opens up that receiving core all over again and shepherd's had some valuable ppr seasons so um i think for being pretty much free he's interesting um jacoby myers in new england if yep. um if they transition to mac jones earlier on and the volume goes up he's their main volume receiver i don't think aguilar is anything that exciting or kendrick bourne um, and Myers has drawn a high target share in his career. Uh, so he's someone to keep an eye on. Um, Rashad Bateman, I tend to not think it's going to happen in the Ravens offense, but with Marquise Brown already battling injuries, he's interesting. And then I'm keeping my eye on Buffalo's second receiver spot. Um, Cole Beasley has kind of tried to talk himself off the team over the past few weeks. <laughs> um, we'll see if that happens or not. He may be there, but if he were to get cut or who knows what happens, um, Emmanuel Sanders is 34 years old. Uh, and I really like, um, you know, Gabriel Davis has a lot to work on as a young receiver. He's got a lot of route running to work on. He's more of a big play threat right now. But, hey, if Cole Beasley was gone and he's just left battling with 34-year-old Emmanuel Sanders, he becomes intriguing again too. So I think all of those secondary receivers in Buffalo are interesting. It's just there's a little bit to shake out right now. Um, we'll see what happens with them. 
Yeah, that's a that's a good position battle to mention because last year um, we did see John Brown do well when he was uh, the wide receiver too. And and similarly, if he was hurt, which happened quite a bit, uh, Cole Beasley did very well as a wide receiver too in Buffalo. So while you know we didn't necessarily have the one guy last year that was like, oh yeah, this is a great you know wide receiver two here in Buffalo. Kind of uh, in the aggregate, they they produced well. And if we see you know the, the reports out of campus, all right, we're going to start with Sanders. We're going to start with Gabriel Davis. Like that's definitely someone worth taking a flyer on. Whoever uh, ends up winning that wide receiver two job. Um, similarly, I just mentioned him. I like John Brown in Las Vegas. Um, he yeah. is the best wide receiver there in Las Vegas. He's not the best athlete because they have uh, Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards there. But I think. We, you know, Derek Carr's not like the greatest quarterback. He's not necessarily the guy that uh, is just going to be like, oh, cool. Ruggs is like in that general vicinity. Let me throw it there and hope that Ruggs is the one who gets it. Um, I think he might latch on to someone like John Brown, who can who's actually shown to be able to create separation and, and you know, run an NFL offense. Whereas I don't think we've really seen that from Ruggs or Edwards yet. So that's someone I'll be keeping my eye on as well. Um, again, these are all like last round dart throws, um, you know, so really, you know, take whoever you think has the highest upside. Uh, but those are some of our favorites as well. And uh, hopefully throughout this, you've been able to kind of narrow in on a strategy uh, key and on certain wide receivers you'll be looking at again, uh, you know, we just talked we we actually got all the way down to as low as 70 on on uh, or sorry 64th on uh Eric's rankings at wide receiver uh you know we did, weren't even able to touch on every single guy uh, obviously in that whole section so if there's someone that we missed that you wanted to hear about uh go to qblist.com check out the rankings Eric has done write-ups on all of the wide receivers or again join our discord um pitcherlist.com/plus with that you'll be able to join the QB list part of the discord community and you can just dm eric or uh just throw your questions in the general channel and any of the cubulus staffers be happy to help you uh sort between uh it's you know round 10 do i pick michael gallup or curtis samuel like you know these are the kind of questions we can get answered uh right at the end of the uh you know in the discord community for you so uh thanks again for listening and we'll be back later this week with the tight end preview uh which will round out the positional previews and at that point we'll just be talking about preseason stuff until real football starts hi eric how excited are you we're just a few weeks away from real NFL action. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's here until we have like way too many games going on all at once. So we'll get a little taste of that in the preseason. I'm excited. Yeah. The, the hall of fame game was a nice, nice little teaser, little, almost like a, um, a moose bouche. If you were at a really fancy restaurant, uh, that's what we got last week with the hall of fame game. So, uh, looking forward to, uh, all the games kicking off. And again, uh, don't forget, uh, Eric and Kenny at the fantasy football expo. If you're going, make sure you stop by and say hi to them. Uh, and we'll talk to you guys later this week.